Welcome to Dean's Council, a podcast aimed at supporting university leaders holding one of the more critical jobs on university campus. Your panelists, Ken Kring, Jim Ellis, and Dave Eikenberry, engage in conversation with highly accomplished deans and other academic leaders regarding the ever-complex array of challenges deans face in one of the loneliest and most unique jobs in the academy. Shree Zaheer is Dean of the Carlson School of Business at the University of Minnesota. Without any doubt, she has proven herself as one of our nation's consummate academic leaders. She joined Carlson in 1991 and held several leadership roles, starting first as a center director, then a department chair, and later as associate dean for faculty and research. In March of 2012, she took over the helm as dean and led Carlson through numerous initiatives, including forming new academic partnerships, building out their alumni relations platform, and successfully transforming philanthropy at Carlson. She's been so successful with this that Carlson completed its most recent fundraising campaign well ahead of schedule and with contributions more than a third above their original targets. Yet with all of these accolades, an unquestionable hallmark of Shree's tenure at Carlson has been her ability to leverage the external corporate community to the benefit of the business school. As she nears the end of more than 10 years of service as Dean of Carlson, she shares with us her perspective on the value of these external relationships and how deans of schools of all different shapes and sizes can organize and keep track of these relationships and how best to leverage external stakeholders to the school's benefit. Hello, Shri. Thank you for joining us today. Well, Dave and Jim, thank you for inviting me. This should be fun. Uh, we're thrilled to have you here. Great Shree, to have you. Sri, you're, um, you're such an accomplished dean and, and have laid up so many great milestones. But one of the areas where you've really been known to make some great progress relates to how Carlson interacts with the corporate community. And Jim and I were wondering if you could kind of break that down for us. Um, how, how was it that you were, obviously you were in a great marketplace, but how, how were you able to, um, to leverage that for the benefit of Carlson and, and all the various dynamics that you were able to build upon? Thank you for your kind words. It's, you know, getting to, uh, I really see this engagement with the corporate community really in two buckets. There's a, you know, there's a big connection piece and you have to make an effort to connect. So when I first became Dean, I literally sat down with my team and I said, okay, now which are the most important corporate folks around town for us and nationally as well. So we identified about 10 or 15 companies that we really wanted to connect with. And I reached out to uh, the CEOs there and I said, may, can, may I bring a team across to meet with some of your top management team. And, and, and they all agreed. I mean, I, I think the nice thing about when you first become Dean is everyone is quite keen to get to know you. So there's a little bit of a honeymoon period and they're willing to sort of make the time for you. And it, uh, it worked out pretty well. And so what I did was I literally had to sit down I, and we discovered that there were about tw at least 20 different points of contact between the business school and each of these companies. And so I literally pulled those 20 people in a room together and we sat down and we said, okay, how are we partnering with this particular firm? What are the different ways we're doing it? 
And I created a little sheet, a one pager, and I call it my three E's. Someday I think it'll be as famous as the four P's, but it is uh, about employment and education and engagement. So how many of our students are employed there, our alumni who are some prominent um, uh, alumni in that particular firm? In terms of uh, education, how much executive education do they do with us? Are they putting people through a part-time MBA program? things of that kind. And then engagement is everything from, you know, we have something like 30 plus corporate boards in our school. You know, every department has an advisory board, all the centers have advisory boards. And then I have my board of advisors as well. So, you know, the participation of people from their firm on our boards, uh, how much giving, corporate giving they've done, how much they've opened their firms up for site visits, not just in the Twin Cities, but around the world. You know, again, speakers in the classroom, mentors, all of that. So that's all the engagement piece. So the three E's were education, employment, engagement. And I tried to get it into one sheet and we take it with me. And it was an eye-opening exercise. I mean, we realized we had 782 alumni that we that we knew about. There were probably more, you know, working at 3M. So when I go to meet with 3M, there are, you know, I can talk to the CEO about that. And they suddenly, they say, oh, wow, you know, we're big recruiters from you. So this kind of thing. So that was very, very helpful. And that was the intentional piece. But I also kind of invested a great deal in the community. And that was more the unintentional part. I mean, in the sense that anybody who asked me to come and speak, I'd go and speak. And it became a little too much, actually, initially. in the first you know, couple of months, I think I was doing one or two speeches a week at you know, every Rotary Club and you know, Fox and Hounds Club and something else that wanted me. And that was uh, quickly filled my calendar up and it left little time for the more intentional, deliberate stuff and so on. So, I mean, if I had to do it again, I'd be a little more careful about which engagements I choose. Interesting. How easy, how easy was it for you to access the number of alums working for a company? Let's take 3M as a great example. We always found that we just didn't know who was where, and they, they've got it on their, on their HR records, but they're certainly not going to let that, they keep that private. So how easy was that? Or was it word of mouth? Did you have some kind of a list? How did you do that? Uh, well, you know, what has helped hugely in that process is LinkedIn. Because, you know, we have, I mean, alumni update their records, but not all of them do, right? So they so you have some information internally from alumni records, but we were always calibrating that with what we could find on LinkedIn. Anyone who wrote Carlson School as a, you know, in their educational piece, we could pull that up. And that was a huge help. So, and, and, you know, to help us kind of calibrate. When we went out to meet them, we'd say, okay, this is what we have. What do you show? And usually their numbers were a little better than ours. You know, they often had uh, better data on, you know, uh, how many. And so it was, their numbers were always a little higher than what we would come up with. But still, it was good enough. I mean, just to, uh, for the most part, most CEOs just don't know you know, how much they're plugged into a particular university, you know, and uh, especially for us with, the, you know, all the Fortune 500s located here, the General Mills and the Targets and the 
best buys and so on they're just the, the numbers just for the carlson school go into the hundreds and i would also brag about the thousands from the university of minnesota i mean cargill the single biggest source of talent for cargill is the university of minnesota and they should know about that and so we pulled that kind of data from across the university as well and took it when i went to meet the ceo i would go and you know share both of these things with them so that was very helpful did you ever do any kind of a corporate appreciation event where you might invite the carlson alums at the company to come and you speak a little and the ceo speaks and you give them all a glass of apple cider and a couple of cookies and did you ever do anything like that where it was you know kind of bringing together the carlson alums at a firm we do that all, all the time it's a fairly regular thing but not with every firm we have uh, alumni clubs inside the company so best buy there's a carlson alumni club and so the leaders of that club every every year i mean they have events throughout the year but about once a year they will invite you know a faculty speaker from the school or me and then there'll be a usually there's a senior sponsor it may be the ceo or it may be the highest ranking alum inside that firm who typically attends that event but it's really nice because even the you know the young interns are meeting somebody who's already as an svp or an evp in that firm and that makes a huge difference so they they yeah. feel that they have those networks within the firm so that's an ongoing thing that's been going on for many years so it stopped a bit during the pandemic and right now i'm not exactly you know it's it's been sort of uh, a little bit on the back burner right now but all the early years that i was dean every year it wasn't everywhere but us bank best buy cargill 3m general mills all these folks had the carlson alumni club and it was pretty active shri what are the two or three most compelling benefits for for engaging these these uh, organizations in terms of making carlson a better institution or better learning outcomes or better rankings but what would be the two or three here's why you want to do this i think there are many benefits i mean of course this to start with this corporate philanthropy so there is as actual fundraising for specific events for named spaces all of those kinds of things even for faculty chairs we've had uh, several endowed chairs uh, which came through this process yeah but other than that i think the single biggest benefit is probably in for the students in terms of you know the experiential learning opportunities the projects that they can do you know the team projects that they can do with the firms you know our connection with the uh, firms also ends up sort of feeding a bit into the curriculum so every time we do a big curriculum revision we do get inputs from our corporate partners about is this you know what kind of statistics are you using what what uh, software do you use i mean these kinds of things because we want to make sure that our students are equipped to straight away go and add value when they join the firm so those kinds of things are helpful what kind of skill sets are you looking for that kind of question and and then finally and then you know for the students again it's the placement piece as well you know the intern uh, the internships the placement all of that Right. And then for the school as a whole, there's the executive education and the philanthropy. I mean, there's uh, you know both of those are you know financial benefits that come directly from engaging with the funds. Um, so I think there's just a lot of uh, benefits. Then you know every month 
We have something called First Tuesday, where I interview a, a local CEO. And that is seen by alumni around the world. So again, it's giving back to alumni in terms of lifelong learning that you still have an opportunity to hear from, uh, you know, world leaders in business. And that's something that, again, the you know, connections with the corporate community make happen. What would you say to a dean of a school who is in, a, in an area or a town that doesn't have the treasure trove of Fortune 100 companies that you have. I mean, you even have more than we do in Los Angeles. But take a a, a more remote geographic sure. kind of institution. What would you what would you suggest to those deans? You know, frankly, I think that investing in the community, and I talk about the community broadly. It's not just the corporate community, but it's the community of alumni. It's a community, you know, the NGOs in town. The you know the government organizations, county folks, the you know, city hall, you know, all of that, just sort of getting to know them, the, you know, their departments of economic development, but, you know, however small your town, there is a, you know, there is a, a county government, a city government, a town hall, and all of these also end up really benefiting the students. Our students do so many interesting projects for Hennepin County. You know, it's uh, everything from identifying transportation deserts and so that they can create new routes for new bus routes, uh, you know, things of that kind. There's so many experiential opportunities that come out from investing in the community. And I I found that extremely helpful. It's also been really helpful to invest in the the community in, in terms of the arts organizations and so on. These are organizations that Axe and I have been subscribers to forever access my husband, who's also a Carlson School professor. But once I became dean, you suddenly realize that the people who are giving to those organizations are the same people who are going to give to, you know, to the uh, to the school as well. And I think no matter how small the town, there are arts organizations, there are city halls, there are people that are worth getting to know in the local community, because it really pays off for the school very, very uh, handsomely. How did you organize your internal team to leverage this? I can remember when I was trying to make a push in this area, it was really hard to figure out how to organize our staff inside the school to leverage this. What was what was your technique or did you inherit a structure? It was really hard initially. As I mentioned, you know, when we first, when I first started doing this, even to try and create my three document. I literally had to pull people from placement, from, you know, from our experiential learning pieces, from the, you know, all of the different boards that engage with these companies. And no one knew what anybody else was doing. So it was very manual. It was ridiculous. We then subsequently, we've invested in Salesforce and, you know, the CRM uh, is, is, and that's helping a lot. And everybody is now using it because they find it beneficial to themselves when they go out and meet people. So that's been sort of the software has been a big help. But, you know, internally, in terms of organization, I think it's our structure is pretty traditional. We have, you know, this, you know, departments and and uh, programs. We have the MBA program, the undergraduate program, our Carlson Global Institute, which is our global programs. And then we have all the academic departments. So I don't think there's anything terribly unusual about that. But I think the collaborative aspect and, you know, that was something that I had to kind of uh, 
it's almost the process and the systems more than the organizations that you make sure that everybody who's uh, uh, talking to a particular firm gets together from time to time you know that there that there there is a system in place to bring them together i think it's it's just great thoughts because so many of us try hard to to really ingratiate the corporate corporate environment with our own school and uh, you've really done it so very very well at all levels um which is just terrific advice for our 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 guys i think it's wonderful well thank you for that i mean as i said the only thing i would warn people is when you start off i mean there's a temptation to accept every invitation and before you know it your calendar is completely full what, how would you have done it differently there what what would you have done because what you did obviously ingratiated you in a major way to the community but on the other hand it took away from your own independent calendar how would you have done it any differently i had a slightly a rocky start because i i had one day between being interim dean and knowing that i was dean there was no transition time at all i think for most people there is a six month or you know there's some time before you actually show up as dean especially if you're an external dean uh, and i would suggest that anyone who has that time spends that time thinking about what it is they want to accomplish in their first 100 days and 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 get sort of uh, organized about that i had no time to do that so it was just jumping you know right into the deep end and uh, i wouldn't advise that to others so uh, i think i would have thought more carefully about you know what what should i do first what should i you know who are the people who can wait who are the most uh, important constituents to sort of meet first those kind of decisions i literally had no time to think about that and would you would you prioritize the the internal structure over the external structure or vice versa in that situation particularly assuming you're coming from the outside and don't know anything about the internal structure of the school um as well yeah i think if you're coming from the outside you have to get to know the internal structure and culture of the school first i mean you're getting to know the faculty i think would be a top priority in, in you know just understanding where they come from what their uh, dreams are what they would like to get accomplished i mean getting that understanding that is going to be extremely important for any external dean uh and then just identifying the you know the the major external stakeholders whether they're donors or whether they're you know the corporations in the community you just have to try and figure that out and then prioritize those maybe through some kind of uh, abc analysis like who are the most critical people and get that underway so um, you know i'd love to say that my start was all so logical and rational it just wasn't it was just jumping right in and you know sort of doing trying to do it all and it was uh, it 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 was uh, intense Shri, uh, earlier you mentioned corporate philanthropy, and I was wondering if you could build out on that a little bit. You know, for example, when I think about the modern corporation, particularly the publics, with their focus on shareholder value, philanthropy just doesn't strike me as uh, a high priority. It seems a little bit of an uphill fight. How do you and and your team strategize about approaching an organization? a uh, great question and it has changed even over the 10 12 years that i've been dean 
So I think in the earlier uh, part of my uh, tenure as dean, you know, there were a lot of corporate, you know, corporations often set up foundations. And right. it's usually the corporate foundation that you're approaching for philanthropic gifts. You know, you can always approach the divisions for sort of marketing gifts and, you know, smaller, you know, sort of experiential learning uh, projects and things of that kind, because those are within the control of the divisions. But those numbers are typically, you know, those budgets tend to be within $50,000 kind of uh, situation. If you're looking for larger gifts, like to endow a faculty chair and things like that, it used to be the foundations that you approached. And you'd have to sort of uh, find a way to, you know, link them to faculty to kind of uh, sell them on the importance of faculty. And, and it used to work. Corporations have changed over this period. The foundations themselves have become much more strategic. They want to invest in areas that are closely aligned to the mission of the firm itself. So, for example, I mean, um, uh, if you went to a U.S. bank, they would be very interested in things like anything related to housing. You know, 3M is very interested in anything related to STEM education. So things of that kind. So you end up having to sort of um, think about how you can connect them to some part of your programming. So, I mean, if someone's interested in STEM, you can take it, you know, you can approach them that way. I mean, a uh, uh, a Best Buy might be interested in uh, a, a technical education for teens. So, you know, they've got their teen tech centers. And so, again, is there a way you can plug in in terms of trying to see if there's a pipeline of those techs, uh, 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 teens who go to the teen tech centers who can, you know, then, uh, you know, come into the to, to, to your undergraduate program? So those are, those are the kinds of approaches we tend to use with uh, corporate philanthropy. But it is getting more difficult because it is, you know, it's much more strategic from their side than it used to be. Well, I have to tell you that it, this has been an extremely informational session, and we truly appreciate you taking the time to spend with us. This has been great, and it's just wonderful to, to be with you again and to see you and, and to hear the successes that continue to have at Carlson. But but thank you from my from my perspective and from our perspective. Thanks for doing this. Really appreciate thank it. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Dave. Good to see you here. Jim, what did you think about that conversation with Sri we just had? She gave me some really creative thoughts in terms of how she addressed her corporate partnerships. The fact that she had a one-page EEE employment education and, and engagement, really to look at how she works with a Target or a Best Buy or any corporation. It doesn't have to be a Fortune 100. It could be the biggest corporation in your town, which could be a small corporation in a smaller town. But she basically analyzed where that touch point is between her university and that company. And then called a meeting with the CEO, brought her team in, which was important to bring the team rather right. than just herself as the dean, and to come and have a meeting with that company and say, here's how we'd like to improve this. Here's how we'd like to work on it, number, number one. But even more importantly is thank you very much for what you do for our students in our school. And to build that relationship with the existing leadership of the companies, but she did it in such a very analytical way early on. Right, right. It's real easy to say, well, you know, the biggest employer in our town is Target. 
Let's right. go see Target. Well, yeah. Let's look at what Target does for us and what we do for Target and what we could do so that right. when we go in there, we not only celebrate what they do for us, but we suggest what they might also be able to do on top of that. And right. I, I thought she she really was very, very smart. And that, that's an experience, Dean, talking to all of us. And uh, we learn a lot from something like that. I totally concur. This notion of the, of the three E's in putting structure on it, it's, it's a convenient tool to speak to the outside community, but it's also a great tool for the inside community because you do need to bring together so many disparate parts of your organization, you know, your alumni, your corporate, your program leaders. And wh what's nice about that E-triangle, if you will, is everybody on the inside can now kind of see how the pieces fit together. And it's a great communicating uh, device. So, uh, for example, that then led to, you know, she, she she talked briefly about using Salesforce as a way to manage these complicated uh, customer relationships. What a what a beautiful segue that was. Uh, what interesting uh, breakthrough approaches she's she's brought to this problem. I I was just thrilled with that. Well, the other thing is using LinkedIn to find her. Yeah, to find her her uh, alums that are in those companies. Yeah, because it is more difficult particularly as as the younger alumni jump from company to company, you don't always keep up with them and they don't always yep. keep up with you and tell you where they are. So LinkedIn is a great way to do that. Great advice from, from her in that standpoint as well. Yeah, what a real pro. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dean's Council. This show is supported in part by Corn Ferry, leaders in executive search. Dean's Council was produced in Boulder, Colorado by Joel Davis of Analog Digital Arts. For a catalog of previous shows, please visit our website at deanscouncil.com. If you have any feedback for us, please let us know by sending an email to feedback at deanscouncil.com. And finally, please hit follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so that you can automatically receive our latest show. 